Bonjour, comment allez-vous? Bienvenue to the Micropreneur Podcast, a podcast dedicated to fungi entrepreneurs. I have been on a grand adventure for the last seven weeks. Some of you may have noticed it's finally wrapping up here in Paris, France, where the chanterelles are abundant and the wine flows like the women of Capistrano. All right, we've got a really impressive micropreneur on deck for all of you all today. I'm personally very inspired by this individual's commitment to the fungi cause. Yes, he's a middle manager for the mushrooms. My man has a plethora of actionable insights into successful purpose-driven entrepreneurship in the mushroom universe. Everybody, please give a warm welcome to Seth Warner, the creative force behind Myco Rising, and he has recently launched an in-depth mushroom cultivation course available at www.mycorisingfungi.com this fella is the real deal the bee's knees you might say and he's so well spoken that i'm going to reevaluate my own economy of language i think all of us can learn a lot from seth and to that end i have personally enrolled in the online course that he's painstakingly called together over the past year and i hope some of you will consider joining me on this adventure. Alrighty then, I've got a crepe filled with fromage de camembert. That's French cheese, yo. Call him my name. Thanks for tuning in. Please share the love. Drop me a line if you're listening. Spread the virtual spores by sharing this episode with your friends and your family. And please consider leaving a review wherever you're listening. Merci beaucoup. Bon journée. Let's get this show on the road. Okay, Pasa Mufasa, Seth from Myco Rising. How goes it today in Oakland, my friend? And welcome to the Michaelpreneur Podcast. The day is going well in Oakland. It's a beautiful place. Really glad to be here. Thanks, Dennis, for having me. Uh, you know, we just got some rain yesterday. We did a little hiker dose out there under the, uh, the little drippy rainfall, which, you know, man, it's kind of rare out here. So, uh, you know, it's actually funny. We do these hikes, this hiker dose, a little hike, microdose. And uh, people come out, but I got a bunch of messages from people like, oh, what do we do if it rains? It's like, you just go hiking, you know? It's like, awesome, you gotta really appreciate that out here and uh, get back to the land. So yeah, that was really exciting. Yeah, man, life is good though. Really appreciating the space in Oakland. And uh, yeah, where are you at? I'm in Chiapas, Mexico right now, as a matter of fact, but I am a San Diego native and have spent five years living in the Bay Area. So I'm no stranger to Oakland. I used to go to the Fox Theater there every now and then. Never went hyperdosing though. I got to say, that's a term that I only became acquainted with over the last like year or two. Tell me about this idea of the hyperdose. Like, what was the inspiration for starting this, and what's your target? Like, what's the target outcome you hope for by organizing a hyperdosing experience? You know, on one level, it's super simple. It's just the hike and microdose. And uh, you know, I have a, a friend Jeff who helps me out with some like basically volunteers with Micro Rising. He helps to uh, you know he helps keep me like on point, and uh, he also just like helps with some emails and basic things around that. We're both kind of like mid-level mushroom managers at this point for the uh, big mushroom in the sky, if you know what I mean. And uh, yeah, so the idea there was really like, hey, you know, it would be fun if. Uh, we went for a hike and microdose, and then we just invited nice people to come with us. That was the very base of it. We had no idea how it was gonna go, and we do it on Thursday mornings, so it's like, kind of filters out a lot of people, but the people that show up have been loving it, and uh, yeah, just how it kind of worked out with the timing. 
but we're going to do more weekends and stuff like that. And ultimately it's just like a three or four mile hike, spend a couple hours out there in the woods. And, uh, you know, the idea I think also is to broaden, uh, the concept of like a microdose from just like, Hey, I'm going to take, this is going to help me with whatever I do to like, what can we stack on a microdose? That's like the best possible outcome. So we're getting the exercise in, we're getting the nature time in, we're getting the community vibes in. And it's been a really increasingly intimate container as people are showing up the same, same people again and again. So it's also a cool time to go inward and, uh, open up and share some of that, you know, internal uh whether it's excitement or turmoil or whatever we're going through it's kind of a real beautiful uh just group of people coming together so i think for me like this is like the hyperdose protocol you know and uh just microdose once a week stack it with all these beautiful things and uh it seems to just be having some great outcomes for the folks showing up myself included I did my first Hycrodose with Veterans Walk and Talk, which is an organization near and dear to my heart. A lot of you out there have probably heard of Veterans Walk and Talk, and they Hycrodose, the very same. And it's that idea of multiple experiences layered together, right? So it's not just the microdose. It's not just the hike. It's more of like this ensemble effect of being with cool people out in community, out in nature. And that's actually first when I caught wind of what you're doing with Myco Rising as I had been hanging out with Colin and Colin Wells of Veterans Walk and Talk and Shane Nordy of the Church of the People and Creator Mother Earth and sort of put out a clarion call asking for people to, to, I put out a call asking for people to help support Shane's work and you responded immediately. So forever indebted to you for that, that like somebody actually was paying attention and actually followed through on that. So that's really cool. And I hope you all can join. I hope you guys, uh, I hope that you can join Veterans Walk and Talk on a hike in the future because they're a really great organization and awesome people. Are you familiar with them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've done a couple talks with like Colin in different times and especially when we were doing psychedelic society stuff. And uh, yeah, I always kind of just thought it was maybe more exclusive. Maybe it was like just veterans. So I didn't really know there was an opportunity to get in on it. So uh, that's more interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out because, uh, you know, we're just kind of going for it with our own style. It's pretty simple in concept, but I would love to see how other people are making it work and how they're bringing people together around it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a generosity focused event you know it's like hey come show up people share microdoses and we get going it's totally free and uh i think the idea is just to help and i think it's just for them as well it's like to help just kind of share this uh cultural bubble of like people that get it people that don't get it they don't know they're curious they're on the edge and just kind of fold it all together and kind of create more of this opportunity to uh i think just share the knowledge that goes into like having a good experience kind of getting to know the mushroom and uh, beginning that relationship you mentioned that you've just launched a course so i want to hear about this course because it's something we talked about off camera is the need for more education in the space not just cultivation but also like what do you do after you cultivate like how do we best integrate this incredible lifestyle shift into the broader culture and i think for a lot of people who tap into mushrooms it has a profound momentous impact on your life and it impacts the way that you view the world and where could we go with that that's huge so i think that in this age of online learning and more and more modules of education being uploaded online, there's a pressing need for data-driven, trauma-informed, and just well-executed online seminars and online classes in the mushroom space and in the psychedelic space at large. So I'd love to hear you give us a little insight into what this course is all about, how you went about doing it, and where we can find the course. You're like, 
Uh, it's kind of a big story. So I just want to give you a little bit of a background on it. You know, I came to the Bay Area, super excited about mushrooms. I was kind of working in the cannabis space, you know, a little trimmigrant style, uh, you know, just get, getting in where I could fit in and living in Santa Rosa, which was close enough for me to come down to the Bay Area. So I drive down, it's like an hour. And I started going to this place called Counterculture Labs. And it just was like a real haven for me. I connected with the people from Fungi Academy. They were kind of traveling, trying to raise money to buy a bus. And they were there. And then I was like, hey, guys, I'm like trying to teach classes. And they're like, hey, I'm going to introduce you to these other two guys. One of them ended up being Darren from uh, Welcome to Mushroom Hour podcast. So like we kind of started in the same space. And we were just teaching these really simple workshops, uh, you know, how to use a still air box, how to do grain these types of things and just kind of snowballed. And what was also really interesting is like, we just started asking at some point, cause at the end of the class, people would be like, yeah, so like, does this work for shrooms? We could grow shrooms with this, right? And I'm like, ah, I don't really want to be that guy. I'm going to stay in the shadows around all that. It's not my, you know, it's not my vibe. Uh, but then at the same time, it was like, wait, these are like, there's some, sometimes it was veterans. Sometimes it was like old ladies. Like sometimes it was just not who I expected to be curious about growing mushrooms. It wasn't a bunch of uh, delinquents, you know, or something like that. Whatever my uh, stereotype in my head was and why I was feeling that taboo and that shadow. So we started asking like, hey, who's here? Cause they want to grow shrooms. It's just like half the hands raised, you know, 20, 30 people are like, yeah, actually. <laughs> and um, I thought that was just so amazing that it kind of went from being like, hey, this is risky. I don't really think it's my vibe to like, I have a moral duty for this because people aren't just wanting to get high there. And even if they are, that's fine with me. But like, at the same time, it was like people really telling their story, sharing their story about depression, anxiety, et cetera. You've heard it before. And uh, so it really landed for me, okay, this is actually probably the most important thing I could do. And then we started this group, uh, it was called Mycelial Mass, and it was just a meetup that was meeting at Counterculture Labs, talk about mushrooms of all sorts. But it was just was like really hard to kind of get it going, not sure what we're doing. We can't talk about growing shrooms that much there. It's not like we could do that there. But then I was able to join the Psychedelic Society right as it was like reforming. So it was like me and three or four other people that were like, I guess we'll do this. I don't know. <laughs> it was just kind of a, a real opportunistic thing. Uh, I was looking for something to do and get out of like the whole cannabis world, uh, which just opened up a lot of doors. And I started to realize that at the mycelial mass, everybody was trying to do PF tech. That was just like the thing. And if you don't know what PF tech is, it's like, supposedly like the simplest way to grow mushrooms, but it requires a lot of maintenance. Like every day you're kind of wafting, you're kind of misting, doing these different things. So we'd have like half the people fail doing that. And I was like, this is just not really like great. You know, all these people are super inspired. They want to make this happen. And uh, so I just made some tweaks to that method so that it really worked like pretty much every time, started teaching a class on that. And then that was about four years ago. And it's, I've been teaching like that one class, which I've been modifying and changing with time. Like now we do the rice bag tech cause that's just the simplest. But the idea is just to get somebody to grow an ounce of mushrooms, like in the space of a little shoe box. And uh, for, I, I jokingly say, but in some cases it's definitely true that an ounce of mushrooms is a lifetime supply, at least for the average person. Um, so somebody grows this little cute, it's a cute little shoe box and goes from there to having like all the mushrooms they need and enough to share with friends and family. And that's what I'm so stoked about is just putting that empowerment into people's hands, keeping them in their homes in a way as well, because uh, not only is there a relational element to the mushroom, but I think we have a strong relationship to our space and with such a heavy culture of people being like, I'm going to go to Peru to have a experience. I'm going to go to another country to have experience with total strangers. How do we like really flip that on its head and be like, do it where you live, 
do it with people you know, do it in a community. And uh, I think that that's where we're gonna see really the best outcomes long-term. One thing we can guarantee is that mushrooms will make you feel weird, you know, <laughs> that's for sure. And everything else beyond that is a lot to do with set setting, what you're bringing to the space. And uh, yeah, I really wanna like, just like really highlight that in a pragmatic way. And that's what the course is about. Like, okay, I can take people uh, and just give them a really pragmatic, really like thorough walkthrough of how to do this themselves. And then the question after that is then what? And you asked like, where can people find it? And just real quick promo, little plug, uh, Myco Rising. So that's my thing, mycorisingfungi.com slash ready, set, grow. So a nice little uh, tagline there, ready, set, grow. And uh, if you just go to mycorisingfungi.com, it's on the front page as well. But uh, yeah, it's just a good way to get started. I've tried to make it as affordable as I can. We have scholarship options and all that. Um, really just wanted to get out there more and more kind of empowered cultivators and empowered psychedelic seekers because I really think that this idea of being uh, the seeker, you know, always looking, looking, looking is cool and that's really relatable for a lot of people and I really want to help more people feel like found, like they have the thing that they were looking for, like they have access to the journey that they're on and that that's really easy to get to. I really want to help create something that feels local and empowering and allows for people to be themselves and not have to put themselves in a completely alien uh, culture, surround themselves with strangers just to have a healing experience, which I think is a lot harder to take home with you and integrate into your life when it's such a uh, foreign experience. So beyond the course, I really wanna build out things like the hiker dose, like we were talking about. And beyond that, I have a lot of ideas for uh, just like helping to create spaces as a mid-level mushroom manager uh, for that community to build itself. You know, I, I'm trying to get away from this term community builder because it's just so stepped on at this point. It's like, I, I build community, it's what I do. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, eh. It's more like people that show up do that for themselves and with each other, you know? I like the term mid-level mushroom manager. It's very like Michael Scott and pedestrian, but also there's something really poetic about that. And that's part of where I see myself fitting into this movement, if you will, is I come from a very traditional quite conservative background and I was an athlete. I went to San Francisco to play baseball at the at USF, right? And like I was involved in that like ultra competitive high stakes sporting world and I grew up in the church in the Christian church and we'd have like Bible studies at my house. And then when I had a macrodose experience when I was 18 after being exposed through travels and through reading to various cultures who had these different conduits to what you might call the spirit realm or whatnot. Of course I was interested. I and I'm still interested in it. And it was really hard to integrate that with my daily reality. And, you know, there's this argument that in some ways it might be like cultural appropriation just to take mushrooms. And I definitely don't agree with that. I think that mushrooms are the birthright and these experiences are the birthright of everyone on the planet. And they should be. What I disagree with is the way that we fetishize and romanticize and culturally appropriate certain elements of like the ceremony and the lifestyle and all, all that. And I just, you know, I'm still working out my own views as many of us are, but I think it's important to try to bridge those different communities, right? Because I had this baseball athlete, red meat eating community who likes to go to the bar and get fucked up. And like, I still hang out with these people a lot and they're good friends of mine. And then I had the other side, the San Francisco wooks, you know, who would fucking take macro doses and go to Golden Gate Park. And like, there was virtually no communication between these two very robust subcultures of society or demographics of society. And now I want to get to a point where 
I like having these conversations with people who are interested in professional sports and barbecues and all that. Like they don't have to be mutually exclusive. And that's part of what I see as like the onboarding and the inroading of psychedelics into mainstream society. It's like, how do you make people care about this and shifting their lifestyle when so many people for so long have just gone so far off the rails with it, like turn on, tune in, drop out, that a lot of folks who are still a part of this, like, you know, more established, like hierarchical society, they're, they're not even going to touch this stuff because they're afraid because they heard that their uncle went crazy and joined a commune or whatever. So I'm trying to like occupy this middle ground because I want to be able to relate to those types of people. So that's sort of like where I'm at right now is just trying to build mycelium bridges between all these different demographics of society. Man, I, I really hear you. And it can be hard to uh, build something that holds that and also reach out to everybody at the same time. You know, I'm seeing myself spread pretty thin. Um, but to speak to like what you're talking about is when we were doing the psychedelic society, I wrote an article for lucid news of like how I kind of see what's happening. And it was just like, there's this, uh, beacon of hope that's being spread by all these like news, all the scientific sounding, uh, headlines that are like, Hey, mushrooms heal, Hey, it cures depression. Hey. And it's like, what's that doing? It's just driving so much attention and focus to, uh, industry that doesn't really exist, you know, and that's so hard because it leaves really a ton of people very vulnerable, whether they're getting scammed by people trying to like fake sell drugs on Instagram or they're, uh, you know, just trying to seek desperately to find a guide or something. And they're going to take the first person that says, yes, they're not going to think to themselves, maybe I should know this person. Maybe I should check in on who this person is like, you know, and there's a, just such a vulnerable population showing up that I really want to create more and more opportunities. Like you're talking about to build those bridges, to make it feel like, Hey, there's an inroad here. Like you don't have to just feel desperate. Sure. I'd love to hear about your educational background. You're such a well-spoken individual and you're teaching classes on cultivating and all that, surely you've got some kind of formal education in mycology or laboratory sciences, or is this just something that you picked up on Reddit or what's the 411 on your background there? Yeah, so I started, uh, well, I studied anthropology in school. So, I mean, I did go to school and, you know, I got to give some presentations and stuff like that. But uh, it was always like something that I found to be, uh, I enjoyed uh, speaking, uh, public speaking. I enjoyed the rush of it. It's something that everybody else was nervous about. And I'd be like, it's going to be fucking good. Like, you know, I have my own anxiety, but just turned it into like, I'm going to look above everybody and be stoked, <laughs> you know? Uh, but anyway, like, you know, I haven't had a formal education in that sense. I think it's just been uh, through the mushrooms, like the inspiration of getting to share something I actually care about and I'm excited about. I think I just got interested at a really great time where it was like, as soon as I knew anything about mushrooms, I was around people that were curious about mushrooms. And then I was like, well, I'm going to read a little bit more. And then it was just like, oh, now they want to know what I'm reading, you know? So I was able to kind of constantly be in this, uh, like learn, get information, give information kind of situation. And I've been teaching these classes for like five years. So I think that I just had to really hone uh, some aspects of what I'm doing. And then what we're doing with the Psychedelic Society, I remember like the first meeting that we put together Nobody had done a meeting with the group for years. And then we put together this meeting and like a hundred people showed up and I can't tell you like how nervous we were. It's like that, uh, maximum, you know, maximum, what is the term? Imposter syndrome, just standing up there. Like, why am I the guy? I live in a truck, you know, like, you know, I just, you know, and that just brings us back to like the mid-level mushroom manager. It's like, oh, I just sent the right emails. I just showed up at the right time. You know, I'm just treating it like a job. And, uh, but yeah, I think a lot of those kind of, uh, moments that made me really nervous to be in front of everybody to, 
uh, feel like, why me? Like, I'm not anybody, you know, but just slowly over time, it's kind of honed me to be able to communicate a little bit more effectively and uh, share what I'm trying to share. Super cool. So as far as sharing what you're trying to share, I'd love to hear about what you're actively working on right now. You've got your course out in the world. You're doing your hyperdosing. You've got the SF Psychedelic Society. And, you know, I saw you on the NAMA podcast takeover, NAMA Instagram takeover that Reggie did, which I hopped on at the tail end of yours. But what are some of the projects, irons in the fire, you've got dialed in right now? I stopped working with Psychedelic Society last May just to really focus fully on the Mushroom Projects and Micro Rising. And, uh, you know, man, it's, it's been a real huge discovery process because I didn't know how to make videos. I didn't know how to do anything. And to create this online course has been like a huge, uh, task. It took about a year of like hard work to put it together. Um, and now that that's done, I'm like, damn, all right. I was looking so forward to it being over, but there's no celebration. <laughs> now it's like onto the net. Like, what do I do now? How do I get it out there? So uh, actually, like, you know, I really appreciate your content because you're so free and easy with it. It's uh, been a great uh, I guess in a sense, inspiration for me to be like, yeah, I really need to get my word out there. And so I'm going to be putting out a lot more free educational content to the community. And I have a nice email list that makes me feel like I got to give these people something and I can use that same content to just share publicly. Um, so that's a big step. I'm going to keep teaching classes, but also trying to create more courses around how to use mushrooms effectively. I'm working with uh, somebody who's pretty well trained as like a guide and we're putting together a like how to use mushrooms class and probably a microdosing class before long, but mostly just really trying to build this aspect of like holding space for community to come together as well. And uh, that's kind of happening organically. It's not something I want to rush too much. Um, so the hyperdose is kind of slowly evolving into, all right, well, let's have a microdose, uh, you know, like let's make microdoses together. Let's have a growers meet up. Let's have these other pieces that like kind of fill in this bigger vision, which I'm leading towards, which I just call like free the shroom, hashtag free the shroom. And the concept there is just like, you know, we're getting ready to put mushrooms in the box and sell them and all that. And in a lot of ways, that's not really like the freedom. That's not really what we think about when we think about legalized mushrooms, you know, and we look at the cannabis movement. It's never been a more controlled time of cannabis since it was legalized, you know, and in a lot of ways, that's good. We don't we want to have make sure that people have access to high quality products and things like that. But in a lot of ways, it's really terrible because the people that really care about it are getting pushed out. The people who aren't the corporate, um, you know, bros with a ton of money, they get pushed out and they then the mushroom itself becomes like, uh, you know, it's just a number on a page. Yeah. And of course you have these people running warehouse grows that are like, oh, it's all about the mushroom. I love the mushroom. We treat them so good, but they just know the talking points. There's a lot of flowery language out there. And I'm not against anybody that's doing that in the sense, but uh, I just want to create something that's more profound. And I think that the last thing we should be considering is like, how do we put mushrooms into the same box that breaks everything else? And, you know, with the commodification that we're looking at, it's just going to take, you know, this is it. I want to create more of a gift economy around fungi in particular, but I would love it if those same lessons, just like I believe, you know, psychedelics are great in large part, because if you really take them to heart and learn the lessons around psychedelics, they're going to amplify the experience of understanding integration. They're going to understand, like help you understand why preparation is important, what it means to be present for an experience and navigation. So I think that like those lessons along with a lot of others uh, all come hand in hand with the mushroom. And in addition to that, if we can grow the mushroom ourselves, build that relational aspect, put love and give the gift of life to the mushroom. When you come, when it comes around time to be like, well, what am I going to get out of this experience? I think you're going to get a lot more out of it. Just like, you know, you grow a tomato in your backyard. And even if it's like 
objectively not sellable. It's going to be probably one of the better tomatoes you've had just because that relationship is there. And in terms of how that can add tangible value to someone's life when it comes down to like, I need to eat, I need to buy food, I need to finance the lifestyle that I want and whatnot. In my own experience, when I used to have lots of mushrooms at a time on me in uh, San Francisco, when I used to live in San Francisco, I'd have like a quarter pound at a time. And I didn't really think of selling them to people because it was just such an impactful experience to me. If somebody approached me earnestly or like a classmate or someone I knew, it was my privilege to give it to them. And some of those relationships have blossomed into you know profound long distance friendships over many years and I'm not going to attribute it 100% to those mushrooms, but those definitely played a role in that. If you take care of people and you invest in people, if you take care of your community, you invest in your community, I don't think you're going to have to worry too much about where your next meal is coming from. And that's sort of the optics that I'd like to see society at large, but the psychedelic community come from. It's like, it, you know, we're still dealing with human emotions. We're still dealing with people when you're launching companies and like everybody's doing it to some degree, you know, like putting a course up for sale or like I'm hustling this podcast and trying to build my audience. Like there's always going to be an angle where it's like, all right, well, that's for sale, you know, but I think in the way that we invest in our communities and that we show up for our communities, as you're saying, be good community builders. I think that's what it's all about. That's where we want to go is like really invest in that power because from what I'm seeing with the way that global society is headed, it's headed towards people siloing off from their communities. It's headed towards a lot of anonymity, a lot of isolation. And I think we have to make a conscious retaliation against that and say, no, we should get our food from our neighbors. We should grow our food in community gardens. We should be, you know, largely self-sufficient. You know, I'm not a complete like purist. We need to go live in nature and make our own clothes. But I think like we need to really invest in our communities and to have that be the hill that we die on. Not to be like, oh, I don't know my neighbor. You know, they just live in apartment 7B, but I don't know them. Like that doesn't make sense to me as a future model. And I think that mushrooms and what you're building and what a lot of the people in this community are doing is try to ensure that that anonymous, impersonal future doesn't unfold that way and that we do know our neighbors and that we do know where our food's coming from and that we do have some sense of autonomy in our communities. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I, I just doubled down on that. It, if you look at the just very simple model of a dispensary, right? People want a mushroom, you walk into a store, you buy a mushroom, but we both know that the mushroom is a symbol of so much more. It's a symbol for people of healing. It's a symbol of connection. And the first thing you're doing is saying, we don't need a relationship here. Give me the money, I'll give you convenience. You know, and that just breaks it right immediately. And I, I'm not saying that the mushrooms won't help people. You know, it's not like that isn't going to happen or that that won't have any impact on their life. But really, if we look at like trying to maximize the beneficial effect and impact, if it's about connection, let's let's really bring connection in. And the hyperdose is a beautiful example of like layering that connection where you get to take the mushroom, whatever insights come in for you, you can share that in this container, the community in nature. And I think that like the more types of uh, intentional layering of those connectivity, those moments of connectivity, building trust and a real network in our lives. I think that that's going to be the healing work because the mushroom doesn't do that for you. The mushroom can help you feel less depressed. It can help you feel like more in touch with yourself and nature. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of work to do still around the integration. Okay, what's the homework from the mushroom? What do I need to change? And I think that having a supportive network and community around us is all all of that in a lot of ways because doing mushrooms you know by ourselves we can grow a lot but then to what effect and i think a lot of us have 
uh, you know, I mean, it's just going to speak globally. There's a lot of existent like existential just angst right now, you know, whether it's the war or the coronavirus or the global warming, you know, or just feeling incredibly lonely, you know, there's just a lot of desperation. And uh, I think that just looking to psychedelic medicine is a, uh, it's, it's a really, it's a misnomer, I think. I think that the medicine comes from within us and we have to be ready and prepared for that to really like integrate it and to help change anything in the world. Because uh, I think if we heal ourselves, but the world's fucked around us, then, you know, how much better off are we really? Yeah, there's a bit I want to drop into right here about my recent experience in Huautla de Jimenez in the Sierra Mazateca mountain range of southern Mexico, nor northern Oaxaca. And that was with Inti Garcia Flores, who's a pretty well-known Mazatecan cultural archivist. And he's been building this extraordinary museum. He's been building an extraordinary archive of indigenous materials from the Mazatec culture going back as much as going back 500 years in some cases. He's got documents from the colonial era, like letters written to the kings of Spain. He's got um, film from the 1930s. He's got yeah, 16 millimeter film. He's got Maria Sabina's wedding videos. He's got uh, audio recordings from when Gordon Wasson was there and, and lots of things before that too, going back hundreds of years. And it's all just sitting in this room in his house in, in Huautla de Jimenez. And I had a chance to see these archives and tap in with him. And what I, I learned quite a bit about the Mazatecan culture and about the way they use mushrooms. And it's so interesting because a lot of young people in their society will take mushrooms under the direction of a guide, of someone, you know, a curandera or a curandero. And Inti took mushrooms the first time when he was 12 years old. His, uh, or uh, Inti took mushrooms the first time when he was 12 years old. And I talked to two people in Maria Sabina's family who first ate mushrooms when they were eight years old. And I asked him, I was like, why do you eat mushrooms so young? Like that would be very surprising to a lot of people where I come from. And their answer was that because children are uncorrupted by the world. So the mushroom can give you very clear insights and very clear downloads. Even if you don't process them right away, if you're an adult and you're trying to have a, a seance, you're trying to have a communication with the mushrooms, it can sometimes be impacted or interfered with because you have so many issues on your mind. You have issues with your relationships, with your spouse, with your jobs, with your responsibilities. But when you're younger, you don't have that clouding you up. So it's a very, a very clear channel of communication. And I thought that was so amazing because obviously if you trot out that statement in a lot of Western medicine circles and a lot of like, you know, hyper individualized, hyper litigious culture that we have in the United States, they would be like, that's child abuse. You can't give an eight-year-old psychedelics. But I'm like, but this culture that's the ancestral guardians of this have been doing it for since time immemorial. And it's completely commonplace. So that's just one thing that I, I wanted to dive into. I think it's so interesting that these people are there and we just kind of forgot about them. And like we're rolling out the psychedelic industry and we're trying to figure out the best path to move forward. And yet somehow we're not necessarily listening to these indigenous guides that have quite literally been the protectors of this and, and had it fully integrated into their culture for thousands of years. And then the other angle I thought was interesting is Inti told me that he hasn't eaten mushrooms in five years. And I was like, why? Like you, you study them, you archive them, your whole life's work 
is about promoting Mazatec and culture, and the mushrooms are a huge part of that, and you're teaching classes about them. He goes, well, I haven't eaten them because I received everything I needed to receive from them, and now my life is about integrating that. He didn't use the word integrating, but he's like, my life is about putting into play the lessons that I was taught. And I'm not at that point personally, but I thought, what an empowering, beautiful way to look at things. Like, you're talking about a guy who's got three kids, he's got a beautiful house and a beautiful wife, he's a you know, government employee teaching over there, and has this profound personal relationship to these mushrooms to the point where he doesn't even feel the need to eat them anymore. And I thought, what a cultural shift away from thinking, as opposed to the U.S., where it's like, it's Band-Aids, or a lot of uh, people that we know, it's like myself included, it's like, we need to take these and then we need to take them again and then we need to take them again. It's like maybe an ounce of mushrooms is a lifetime supply to, to tie that up. Well, Matt, I appreciate you saying that. And, uh, you know, I know in my experience that personally, I've definitely moved towards using mushrooms less. I think I'm at probably once or twice a year. I'll do a big journey, microdose like once a week. Uh, but I'll, I'll also share that there's a real fear that if I stop using mushrooms, that I'll be less legitimate in the space, you know that they'll, people won't trust that I'm coming from an authentic place or something like that. So I really love that you're sharing that because if the point is healing, then like at what point are you fucking healed? You know, at what point have you like gotten what you need and it's about the life and the journey? And I would love to know like what you think that uh, we could take away from that experience, knowing this man and seeing this culture like what, what can, you know, average people do? Like, how can we get closer to that? Well, I'd love to dive in here and talk about why I'm in Chiapas. And I love traveling in Mexico. I have for years. I probably came the first time to Mexico in 1993 or 1994. And, you know, you can see the border from my family house in San Diego. I was raised surrounded by immigrants. And after, after like traveling in Southern Mexico, I first went to Maria Sabina's house in 2010 to Huautla. And it was just, I was on a road trip with friends and they spoke Spanish. You know, one was from Spain and they knew of this place. And we drove the Jeep up to the village and you know, you, you get to see the life as I believe it's intended to be lived, which is very community-based, very multi-generational. You have a lot of the family members near each other. And so eventually I ended up in Chiapas and I fell in love with the funga here. Like there, I think I was telling you before, but there's about 50,000 estimated species of fungi in Chiapas and only 2% have been described by science. And there's an ancestral knowledge of a lot of these fungi that's not integrated into the current global understanding of mushrooms. Well, the risk and the threat here is that a lot of the younger generations of the indigenous folks are not as interested in mushrooms or in learning these ways. They're more interested in TikTok, Champions League soccer, McDonald's and Domino's. And a lot of that is social programming. It's like literally in my opinion, brainwashing. And this is an opinion shared by a lot of the micropreneurs that I know down here who are stepping up their activism. The knowledge that exists here in these communities is extraordinarily valuable. It cannot be lost. It needs to be understood. It needs to be reconnected with, first and foremost, by the communities and by the people in the regions, but also it should be preserved for the global village at large in some capacity. So. What I, what I realized being down here after hanging out with some of these folks is that I was far happier eating dinner, hanging out, shooting the shit with these mycologists who have zero funding and like no name, nobody on the global stage knows who these people are. I was so inspired by them that I felt happier there than I did when I lived in Malibu, or that I did when I you know, lived in San Francisco and was going to all the bougie events and all that. Like it's the salt of the earth. And I think that's the takeaway for me is like when you have these profound experiences, 
It's about learning how to see brilliance in the most mundane, simple shit. And like, not, I know that it's my calling to be here at this point because when I go and hang out with these guys and we have beers together, like I'm way happier there and they're happy to have me there than I am when I'm trying to puff out my chest and be somebody and like, you know, do the whole smoke and mirrors marketing package. It's like, nah, dude, I mean, I'm glad that that's happening. We're driving the narrative on a, on a global scale in some ways, but like these dinner tables and these discussions are where it needs to be happening. It should be just the salt of the earth. It doesn't need to be the person with 100,000 Instagram followers who's driving this you know, renaissance, if you will. Yeah, the piece that I could rip off on that, I mean, besides just that, hell yeah, I wanna come check it out. <laughs> that sounds so cool, is uh, the simplicity of it. Like, and I feel like that that is something that I'm really trying to stick with. It's like, yeah, it's not this really complicated thing. Like, let's just go for a walk in the woods. Uh, and, you know, that walk in the woods would be just as impactful, I think, even without a microdose. It would be very, you know, important to people to take that moment out of their busy week, especially here in the Bay where, you know, people might have nickels to rub together, but it doesn't mean that they're happy. You know, it's not a, it's not a correlation. And I could say for myself, it's a real, it's a hustle. You got to hustle to live here. It's, it's, a, it's expensive. And uh, so just trying to figure out that right balance where like, how do we bring that to these people where it's like convenience is important, like you got to make time for things, um, but also like not trying to make it this big, sexy thing like you will be healed, like we will change your life. But it's like, hey, we will know more people. <laughs> we will meet each other. We will share some laughs. Um, you know, and I think that that's just like actually where a lot of the healing happens. So I could appreciate that. You're like, yeah, you're in the right place because you like it, you know? And uh, I think that that's one of the most profound lessons that I've learned from the mushrooms is like, what do I like? You know, and I, and I could say that for me, one of the reasons I did wanna get away from psychedelic society was like, it was just becoming way too administrative, way too many moving pieces, all this stuff. And it's like, if we're not creating like the right systems that we can just feel like relaxed in this, then I, I do need to take some space, you know? And uh, I've been able to find that simplicity a lot more since, you know, nothing like they're doing great work. You know, I'm not trying to it's nothing personal, <laughs> but also just for me, it's been like a lot better to kind of slow it down and be like, all right, I just want to teach people to grow these mushrooms. Uh, I want to help create spaces where they can meet each other. And uh, that'll be fun for me. This podcast, I literally started it because I hosted a creative meetup here where I live where I was just like, hey, man, like I work online and I do a lot of like I edit other people's podcasts and I edit videos and shit like that. And I'm sure there's other people here doing the same thing. So I just put out the word and a community bulletin where it's like, hey, I'm going to host a creators meetup at this venue at this time. It's free. Anybody who wants to come and network comes. And like one of the first people who hit me up was Michelle Janikian. And she's like an extremely well-known writer. Turns out she's my neighbor. Like I'd never heard of her before, but it's just like, oh shit, like you're writing about mushrooms for Playboy. And it's one of those, like the universe just kind of throws you a bone when you try to do something, right? So I'm like, oh cool. So all of a sudden we're having conversations and I'm learning more. I honestly had no idea about anything about the psychedelic community. I was doing my thing and my little hyper-localized place. And then I found out like, oh, there's these psychedelic societies that exist. I've never heard of one in my life, quite frankly. And then that same night, I have a conversation with a French podcaster who had just started a podcast and was like walking me through the technical logistical side of like, oh yeah, you can use Acast. And then this is how you host a podcast. And this is what an RSS feed is. Cause like when I had been doing podcasts, I was just editing files that people are sending to me. You know, I wasn't doing any of like the hosting or any of that stuff. And so that, like that one fateful night sort of like kicked into gear this idea like, fuck, maybe I should do a podcast, man. I like to talk. I like to, you know, build networks and all that. And 
you know, I, I had a few other friends who were involved in this space, Simon Eugler being another one. He writes for Psychedelics Today, and he's a therapist at Myco Meditations in Jamaica right now from Oregon, so like heavily involved in that whole movement that's unfolding there. And after a few of these, I was like, you know what? I got to just talk about this because there aren't a lot of conversations happening public facing about psychedelics. Obviously that's changed, but this was like January, 2020. So I was just like, I had to come out of my shell and literally come out of the psychedelic closet and deal with the potential fallout of like friends and family members who disagreed that I was doing drugs. And I'm like, you know what? It's worth it for me at this point. It's worth talking about. And then it's just snowballed from there. So it's been just like really interesting to see how things move forward. I forgot where I was going with that, but I felt compelled to share the origin story of the podcast and how it all came out. Yeah, no, that's great, man. Oh, I love how organic it all comes. And uh, same here, you know, it's just like one thing after another, just trying try to figure it out. And I'll uh, also say I love Michelle. We've done a couple of things together. We taught a class together at one point. It was like I did the cultivation side and she followed up with like some of the, you know, stuff from her book. And yeah, she's a great ally. A lot of people are reaching out. A lot of people are bridging the gaps. A lot of people are trying to just get in where they fit in and try to have an impact. And I think that that's really what we're all trying to do here is like, I feel like, I went from feeling like this world is hopeless. Like I, I feel dis distraught in my heart. Like, and I can't really just go get a regular job. Uh, I suck at that. I'm really shitty at getting a regular job because I get really depressed. Like I just have this, uh, you know, you call it a calling, but I'll just call it more of like a mental illness. <laughs> just kidding. But like where I need to uh, do something meaningful, even if it means suffering a lot on that journey, I'd rather have it that way. Um, and, uh, you know, figure it out on my own to make something real happen. And uh, so far, it's like I've never really been on my own. People always show up. People always come in to help you make it happen, give you an opportunity here and there. And I think that that's one of the beautiful things about, you know, quote unquote, the universe or the mushroom or the medicine or whatever. It's like when you're really activated and like you're on a path, people are excited about that and they want to help out. And uh, that's what, you know, you really bring that with the podcast. And thanks for highlighting all these stories, man. It's been fun listening. Oh, hell yeah. That's where I was going with it. Yeah, dude. There's so many good stories happening all the time. And I want, I want to leverage pop culture to drive the narrative about mental health and about legitimate ways that we can take care of ourselves. Because for so long, pop culture has been quite vacuous, right? It's vacuous and consumer oriented. It's like Drake just dropped a new brand of vodka. It's like I actually invited Diplo on the podcast. I haven't heard back from him, but he's been pretty active, kind of like he's super into mushrooms and us posting TikToks about them. But I'm like, all right, well, why don't you leverage your platform to like have honest conversations about the role of psychedelics in your life, about you know, your best practices and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm not holding my breath. I don't know that he knows who I am. In fact, I'd be shocked if he came on the podcast, but fuck it. It was worth a try. Well, we're wrapping up. We're, we're getting to the sweet spot here. So let's just close with any parting shots you have. Maybe anything you, you know, where can we find you? Uh, any parting shots you have for the audience? Well, yeah, just like I just want to say one last thing is just that, you know, um, you know, a lot of people want to organize themselves around a community of some sort, whether it's sports. You said you're really into sports, whether it is Drake's vodka. They want to go drink together, have a great time. I just really want to highlight the like the mushroom itself. It's, it's a lot more than doing mushrooms. It's a symbol of like people for people that want to grow, heal, change their lives. And uh, I think that that's really beautiful. So anything organized around it is, I think, going to have more and more of that impact because it helps people connect. 
Um, and that's what I'm trying to do with MycoRising. So MycoRisingFungi.com is the best way to get in touch with me. You can either use the contact page uh, or whatever, but that's where you can find my course, Ready, Set, Grow. I have live classes coming up in the Bay and I have the online course if you're not in the area. Also, uh, you know, I don't use Instagram much yet, but I'm, I'm just coming around the corner on it. So Myco.Rising, that's my Instagram. So please check it out. And uh, that, that's my main platforms right now. So uh, thanks a lot for having me, Dennis. It's fun. And uh, I can't wait to share this podcast with my mom. She's going to be so proud. Que onda, my friends. Got to refresh the outro too. So what'd you think of this episode? Drop us a line. Hit the DMs on Instagram at Michaelpreneur Podcast. Or dare I say, TikTok. Yes, we've been engaging in TikTokery as of late. And while I have your attention, Ego Death Magazine is actively soliciting content submissions and recurring contributor roles. Just take a look at the type of content exhibited thus far at www.egodeathmagazine.com to get an idea of what sort of materials we are looking to platform. So don't be a stranger. Bridges, not borders, baby. All right. You take care of yourself now. I'll be seeing you around Ciao, au revoir, sayonara.